really sing. <laughs> yeah. La 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 Hello and welcome to the SBNY podcast. I am your host and my name is Peter Kennedy. This podcast is on iTunes and you can find that by searching Sports Blog New York Podcast on iTunes or by going to sportsblognewyork.com, clicking on the podcast tab, and any of those articles will lead you in the right direction. This podcast is also on Google Play for all you Android users out there. And again, you can find that simply by searching Sports Blog New York Podcast or going to the sportsblognewyork.com podcast tab. How you doing? How you been? <laughs> but tonight, without further ado, I got my guy Alec Argento in the house. He's real giddy because baseball season is back, baby. Happy New Year's, guys. Happy New Year's. And I'm glad to have you because the Yankees played on Sunday. The season is officially underway. The Mets are kicking it off on Monday, which is today. And it's a glorious time in <laughs> sports. And, and uh, since we already watched the game today, we could already acknowledge the fact that Noah Syndergaard, his bone spurs, acted up. They lost. Uh, and uh, Addison Reed is now out for the season. So I'm glad we all watched that game today. Yes, uh, Mets opening day, horrible for everybody who's a Mets fan. Everybody hate yourself, God. I hope you're not right. Like, I hope that prediction that you just made up off the top of your head. It would be very Metsy. It would be Metsy, but if you just said this on Sunday night before the Mets actually played and said Noah Syndergaard out, Addison Reed out on opening day, and that actually happens, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be not happy. I think that you mad. should be more happy because that means that I can predict the future or make things happen, and then we can, you know, use that to our benefit. Speaking of predicting the future, uh, Rick and Morty... Dropped a bomb on the internet How about that? this weekend and posted an episode. Even though the rest of the season isn't coming out till the summer, they dropped a bomb on all the Rick and Morty fans out there. <coughs> and Did no publicity to it as well. Like no, nothing. The people just had to find out by word of mouth. Unreal on April Fool's Day. And yeah, it was the anti-April Fools. It was so April Foolsy that people didn't believe it until they actually saw it. So for all the Rick and Morty fans out there, I know Alec and I are big fans and we watched the episode. Phenomenal. Uh, good, good for good for us. But now we got to wait till summer to watch the rest of them and to rewatch that episode. Very true. And also today on the podcast, the Sports Blog New York podcast, we're going to be talking about Derek Rose. <coughs> sad, sad news for him. You know, he's sad. he's out. Sad guy tore his meniscus. He can't catch a break. Also, the Yanks opened up. Madison Bumgarner might be the best hitter in the league. We're going <laughs> to do some quick hits on some big MLB storylines. Some real fun things going on. Shout out to Arthur Dowell, one of the Sports Blog New York writers, who did a great preview of the entire league on sportsblognewyork.com. And, of course, we also have the NCAA championship where UNC, one seed versus Gonzaga, one seed. Do people watch that? I think some people are going to watch it. Okay, cool. A few. Probably some money get bet on it, you know, even though it's illegal. But we got that coming up. And we'll, 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 you're just going to cough? I'm like, sorry. I'm, like a little, I'm still getting over that sickness from two weeks ago. I'm a baby. Oh, uh, well. Next time, cough to yourself, all right? <laughs> cough internally. <laughs> exactly. We got UNC Gonzaga. We'll preview that at the end of the pod, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but before we get into baseball, because like we said, baseball is back, let's talk about our guy, kind of our guy, kind of not our guy, Derek Rose. Some sad news. Torn meniscus. I mean, out for the season, that doesn't matter. But this poor guy, man. How do you not feel bad for him at this point? I'll tell you how I don't feel bad for him. Because we spent like $120 to go see him at a game, and he just didn't show up that day, which was, you know, kind of chill. So my, I, I'm kind of limiting how my, my feelings towards him, uh, they're kind of leaning towards me not really caring at all, actually. Yeah, it's actually kind of hard to care as a Knicks fan. I mean, it doesn't really affect the Knicks. If anything, I feel the Knicks will are, are now more likely to not resign him, which we're all praying they don't anyway. So now there's basically no reasonable way that they can sign Derrick Rose. Am I right? Yeah, no, and I, I think that you and I said something when this happened. I know people really hate that Derrick Rose trade. 
I, I as a basketball move, me and Pete had said this uh, at the time that it happened. It really was a good move because now there's like twenty two million dollars coming coming off the books. Yeah, I don't year. I don't think it was a bad move. Still, even now mm-hmm. that you know the season went horribly awry, uh, he's Got now out for the season. We're getting we're getting we're getting that pick. Derrick Rose's money is going to come off the cap. Like I said, I don't think there's a reasonable way the Knicks can actually sign him now. So we don't have to worry about that for next year. And we got money to spend even though we got nobody to sign. <laughs> well, nobody's coming to the – I don't think we're a very attractive free agent destination uh, with Phil Jackson, the way he handled everything the past couple of years. So um, I guess we're just going to be sitting on that money for the next couple of years. Yeah, we shall see how that goes. And, of course, we got the draft pick coming up. But I want to bring up Derrick Rose. So, I mean – Maybe everybody thought this was going to happen like three months ago, mm-hmm. and it did not. And if you're a Derrick Rose fan, and I know there the Der- there are Derrick Rose fans out there, even Ride or though die. Ride or die. there's a lot of haters, obviously, with all his injuries and you know his lack of defense and this and that. A lot of people still root for Derrick Rose, and I understand it because he seems like a pretty pretty easygoing, nice guy who wants to play basketball. He says he wants to win, but who doesn't say that? I mean, do you think he can come back and actually play? in the league and be successful ever? Some, somebody's going to take a flyer on him without a doubt. It's not going to be the last game he ever plays in the league, of course. Uh, he's not. He probably would have gotten a max deal, I think, just because of the way that people spend the money in, 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 with the new cap. Um, he's not getting it anymore. He's probably He could be a really solid bench player, although I don't know if he would have resigned to the fact that he would be a bench player for the rest of his career. Well, he did say recently, and I, and I know you can chalk this up to him basically going on the publicity tour for free agency, saying that I don't even care about the money, I want to be on a winning team, saying all the right things. So maybe he will accept a bench role. And if you think about it, if he's on a good team, yeah, coming off the bench, the dude can still get buckets. I mean, But he doesn't adjust his game. Exactly. We saw that with the Knicks this year. And, you know, that's fine. I, I don't... He was never going to fit into, into a triangle offense. I, was, I mean, nobody does. But I mean, he said it himself that he doesn't understand it. So Nobody does. I don't understand it either. Well, you're not supposed to understand it. He's yeah. <laughs> uh, master. So that's going to be interesting to watch. I guess for Knicks fans, this season obviously it's irrelevant that he's gone. The one thing we can hang our hat on is that this will hopefully mean for good the Knicks will not resign Derrick Rose. And it's sad for me to say, I say it bittersweet because... Derrick Rose coming out of Memphis was like my favorite guy. I loved watching him in college. He was obviously a stud on the Bulls at times. The way his career just tumbled, man, it's just sad. The poor, poor guy. He made a lot of stupid decisions on his own. I think he can, you know, not all of it goes to his injuries. I think he, he his brother, his brother who's his agent and everything or manager, whatever he is, he's not really well managed uh, across the board. So let's take a moment of silence for the time where he took a vow of silence and didn't tell the Knicks. That he was going to show up. I'll, to ne- I'll never get over that. $120 wasted. Well, at least we got to see Anthony Davis drop 50 on the next that night. And at least I didn't have to watch him. It, it wasn't like when I watched Baron Davis's knee turn to soup in the uh, in the playoffs that one time. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't have to witness it. I, I didn't watch the game. Uh, I, I'm done. It's baseball season. I'm done with the Knicks. But um, it just seemed like he hobbled off. And it wasn't too gruesome to watch in person. Oh, man. I I'm, I don't want you to bring up Baron Davis injury. That was brutal. But anyway, let's move on from Derrick Rose. It's Oop, a sad YouTube thing. YouTube that, guys. YouTube Baron Davis's knee soup. <laughs> you could probably Google Baron Davis knee soup and it'll come up. <laughs> <laughs> That's besides the point. But again, this is the Sports Blog New York podcast. We're about to get into baseball. But again, I want to remind you guys that if you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And those reviews mean a lot to us. So if you have anything uh, funny to say, anything you know, want to throw some shade at me and Alec, go ahead. Feel free. If you like what you've been hearing, write it down. Give us some stars, and uh, 
We'll appreciate it. I, I had an idea, Pete. What was that? I was thinking every time somebody leaves a nice five star review, I might make a review of them on the podcast the next episode. So a little incentivization right there. Uh, I'll come up with a backstory, say what I like about you. I won't acknowledge what I don't like about you, and there's a lot I don't like about you. So I'll just keep it, you know, positive, and, and you can hear it on the air and tell all your friends. And you're catching Alec at a good time of the year. It's baseball season, so I, li- I like that idea, Alex. So uh, just to reiterate, if you leave a five star review, you can say whatever you want. Make up a story about how this podcast got you through uh, kidney stones. You know, <laughs> you can kind of just go just go crazy with it. But leave that, a little that review. Year you had six kidney stone uh, expulsions at that, like a three month span. Yeah, just <laughs> so leave that review, and then Alec and I, mostly Alec, will review you, and we'll tell you what we like about you and uh, how we appreciate you as a person. And, and that's it. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. I do too. So hopefully you guys leave some reviews on iTunes and Google Play. And again, you can find that by searching Sports Blog New York Podcast or going to sportsblognewyork.com, clicking on the podcast tab, clicking on any of those articles, and that will lead you in the right direction. But let's get into baseball. So the Yanks opened up on Sunday. First game of the year didn't go uh, quite how the Yankees may have hoped it went. But there are some good things to, to watch, and that's going to be a lot of the storyline for the Yankees this season. Not all the positive things that come out are going to result in W's. And I think that's something Yankee fans need to kind of grasp now early in the season because you don't know what the end record will be. But as long as those guys, the Gary Sanchez's, the Greg Bird's, the Aaron Judge's, who's an absolute moose out in right field, as long as those guys make progress, are able to make some solid contact, hit some monster dongs, (laughs) you Yankee fans got to be real excited about this year, no? Hey, Pete, ask me if I'm worried. Are you worried? No, 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 no. No, I'm not worried. I, I, you know, I was watching the game today. I watch every game as, as, as much as I can. I try to get through all 162. Um, and I'm watching it, and I see that we're losing 7-2. I'm getting texts from everyone I know saying spring training doesn't mean anything. By the way, you know the last time uh, the Yankees uh, won spring training with the best record? 2009 when they won the World Series. Ah. Real fun fact. So tell me it doesn't mean anything off of one game. When Tanaka, who has been a stud, the past two years has one bad game against uh, a very Chris Archer. His his ERA last year was something in the fours. He is not that bad of a pitcher. Chris Archer is a stud. The guy has mean stuff. Absolutely, that that slider he throws away to uh, to, to to righties, it's unhittable. And I, I, I and he was doing it all game. And you said something to me while we were texting earlier about uh, the show and stuff about what Drew Girardi says a lot, and you've heard him say it a number of times. Oh, every every year, every. I, I, I don't know what the exact statistic is. I'm not going to look it up because I'm not a nerd. Uh, but <laughs> Shout out, nerds. <laughs> I feel like every year uh, the Yankees lose opening day, and I have to hear Joe Girardi say the same line, half the teams in the league lost today. And, you know, tomorrow we're going to be tied with the worst record, but we're going to be a game out of first. So. Right. The, the baseball season is such a grind. You can't really chalk up opening day L to anything no. much. And like I mentioned to you when you said that to me is that you know, my entire life, I remember the Mets having great success on opening day. And my entire life, I don't remember the Mets having great success after 162. So opening day is fun, and it's a phenomenal day, phenomenal time of year. But from teams across the board, you just can't chalk too much up to opening day. Uh, but what did you see out of the Yankees that excited you, that, you know, got your nipples a little hard? <laughs> Um, guy I've been really big on uh, since we started doing this podcast, Aaron Judge. Uh, in spring training, he really cut down on his strikeout, shortened his swing, and everything like that. And people were worried he shortens his swing, his power strokes not going to come. But I think Pete's starting to see him a little bit more. 
that guy makes contact, that ball's going to fly. He's just such a gigantic refrigerator of a person. Uh, he, I mean, he, he barely connected with the, with the ball today on a short stroke and slammed a line drive all the way to the, to, to the, uh, to the warning track. Um, he, you know, he didn't get the barrel on or anything like that, but it, he, if he continues to keep that, the, the bat on the ball, it's going to fly out there. Gary Sanchez was another one today. He, I think he went 0 for 4. Yeah. Um, but the first hit he had was a comebacker that Chris Archer just tried to get out of the way with and kicked it down. The ball, was, the ball found Chris Archer. Yeah. He was trying to get out of the way, and if, if it didn't hit off his leg, it would have been a single up the middle. Uh, but instead, it hit off Archer's leg, and then got him out of first. Uh, but I want to go back to Aaron Judge. So on the pod last week, which you could listen to on iTunes, Google Play, or SportsBlogNewYork.com, we had MLB.com writer Joe Trezza on the podcast doing a little MLB preview. And he called Aaron Judge Giancarlo Stanton Light, right? So he said Giancarlo Stanton Light is basically Chris Carter, right? So that maybe that's what Aaron Judge is right now. He's a Chris Carter type player who's not going to hit for great average, but he can put the ball out of the park. But his potential is through the roof compared to a Chris Carter, obviously. I couldn't agree. I, I, how, do you, I, how do you like that? I, I agree to an extent, um, but I think that the one thing that um, a lot of these younger uh, younger guys in general coming into the league right now is that they're very uh, malleable. They're very uh, you know, able to be you know molded into what the, the team wants them to do, and he's someone who is willing to work on his game and adapt um, to a point that Chris Carter is not. There's a reason nobody wants Chris Carter on their team right now. Well, also you got to just think strictly off experience. Chris Carter's been around the block, and Aaron Judge is just getting his first cup of tea. Yeah, but you know, there's, there's plenty. I was watching the game today, and um, uh, just watching all the spring training as much as I did this year. Um, he cut down on his strikeouts. He's you know, he had a he had his first taste of the bigs in a month. Yeah, it was it was historically bad with the strikeouts and everything. But uh, once once he is you know he's done this his entire time through the minors. He's a top prospect. He's been a top prospect for years. He can work on his game and fix it. And I think he can hit for average. I, I, I you know he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna hit three twenty or anything like that. He's never gonna be in the batting title uh, uh, call. But if he, I think he can hit two seventy plus every year. And you take that all day with a guy like that who's gonna. Easily, if he stays in the league, smack at least 30 home runs. At least. He should be able to hit 30 home runs by accident. Mm-hmm. That's the type Wake of power that he has. Yeah. You know, he's the type of guy. I, I was just watching. I only watched a couple innings of the Yankees game on Sunday. But I saw someone who got a single into right field. You know, he just came up, grabbed the ball, threw it into second. Actually, almost picked the guy off uh, on a yeah, back he's, he's got a laser. Yeah, he's, he's, got, got, a, he's got, got a great arm. But just looking at this guy in right field. This guy can be a power forward in the NBA. This guy is almost too big to be an NFL tight end. Which is which is why it's crazy that he's actually a pretty good fielder, like an above average defender with a, with a cannon of an arm. Uh, you know that was something that I, there was um, discussion that that Aaron Hicks still might have won the job coming out of uh, spring training um, because of his defensive ability. Because he's got an 80, 80 arm on a scale of twenty to eighty on, on, on ratings, he's got an eighty arm. But Judge has like a seventy arm. He's he can he can throw it on a rope uh, to, to if he needs to. Just to give you a point of reference, right? So I just said how Aaron Judge might be too big to be an NFL tight end. Maybe not quite, but Aaron Judge is six seven two eighty. Rob Gronkowski is six foot six two sixty. Think about the moose of a man that Rob Gronkowski is. <laughs> Gronk. Right? Mm-hmm. Aaron Judge's got an inch and 15 pounds on him. That is unbelievable. Yeah, and he's got a nice swing to it. He's got a nice stroke as well. I mean, and if you think about the guy who is the easy comparison that we just brought up, Giancarlo Stanton, or as you like to call him, Mike Stanton. <laughs> I was there before he was Giancarlo. Don't try to change on me. Weren't we all? 
but, it's like BJ Upton and Melvin Upton. You're still BJ Upton. 100% still BJ Upton. Don't try to change your name because it sounds sexualized. So just, you're still BJ Upton. I think Giancarlo <laughs> made the switch smoother than Melvin Upton, BJ Upton. I feel like Giancarlo he, stuck yeah, he, quicker. He, he was younger, that's why. He was younger when he did it. I mean, also the fact that BJ Upton's initials was often coined as Boss Man Jr. Like, how can you get, how can you be Boss Man Jr. and then change your name back to Melvin? Like, <laughs> that's like the nerdiest shit I've ever seen, like, heard. Oh my god. <laughs> I guess I never really thought of it like that. <laughs> but let's get back to um, the Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge thing, because that's the easy comparison, right? But you see Giancarlo Stanton hit, and his swing is, honestly, it's ugly. It's mm-hmm. not pretty to watch until you see the ball go 400 feet. <laughs> yeah. like Aaron Judge, if you just look at it swing for swing, like say you're watching batting practice, you'd probably say you know, Aaron Judge actually has a sweeter swing or smoother swing than Giancarlo Stanton. Because Giancarlo Stanton forgets to use his legs half the time he's yeah. hitting, and he still rips the ball out of the park. If Aaron Judge can become 75% of what Giancarlo Stanton is with the ability just to put the bat on the ball, he could be an all-star, pretty much. I'll tell you, though, they have him batting, I think he was 8th today in the lineup. Mm. Which is uh, probably good for him. It, yeah, let's see how he develops because obviously in his career you don't want a power guy like that batting eighth. You know he's just getting his legs under him right now. So let's see what he can do with some protection. You know when when Ronald Torres isn't behind him, and that's another thing today that people people aren't considering. Arguably our best hitter on our team last year, uh, Vidal Gregorius. Let's just say arguably the best player on the team last year. Yeah, arguably. Other than it's, Tanaka, it's, but I well, guess, it's going right? to be between him and Sanchez. I mean, Sanchez is a great defender and offensively, but. Um, I think Didi just it does everything on, on both sides of the ball just so well. A guy like that, he saves runs. And another thing I noticed today, that, you, that we really are lacking the defensive ability of people like Mark Teixeira. He That was so undervalued. Greg Bird made an error today. And that's going to go away as time gets on, as he gets more comfortable. You know, the guy's been out for a year, a uh, year plus. So... Uh, Greg Berg, he looks like a guy who could be a pretty good defender, though. So I don't think it's anything to worry about. Well, he's a comparative catcher. He used to be a catcher, so. And Gary Sanchez, wasn't he a first baseman? Gary Sanchez was nothing. Uh, <laughs> Gary he was, Sanchez, just, he was they, Kyle Schwarber. He was just a hitter. They just, yeah, they just needed to find a position for him. So they, they got him there because he had a cannon for an arm, and they just put him there. And that was always a, a question they had when they were bringing him up. was like, how is he going to be at calling a game and framing, framing pitches? And so far, so good. Obviously, you know, today wasn't the greatest, but uh, so far, so good with him. And, and you know. These guys are all 24. Right, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to make a statement, and then we'll move on to talk about the Giants and Madison Bubba Uh And you can disagree with me if you want, but uh, I'm, I'm going ma- to make this statement. <clears throat> Clearly, there are a ton of things for Yankee fans and the Yankees in general to be very excited about. But there needs to be tempered expectations. Not all of the good things that will come out of this season are going to be wins. Gary Sanchez can have a great year. Greg Bird could have a good year. Even Aaron Judge could have a good, solid year. But the Yankees can still not have over 82 wins. They may be 500. They may be just under. They may be just over. It should not be a year where Yankee fans are expecting playoffs or it's a wasted season. That's my opinion as a non-Yankees fan trying to look at it as objectively as possible. And I know Yankee fans, not saying you specifically, Alec, but Yankee fans out there have a hard time being objective because of the history, because of the winning pedigree. Take a step back. Enjoy the development of the young guys. Enjoy the season, but just don't expect a division title. Don't expect the wild card. Just enjoy baseball. 
and the development of those young guys. I agree, but I, th- I think there's a reason why people don't have those tempered expectations. The Yankees marketing the team, publicity that they do, is fantastic in trying to convince everybody that all these young guys are not young guys. <laughs> that these guys are all all-stars already. You know, that they're not, they don't have to develop. And that's why people are, you know, the baby bobber movement that, that everyone's talking about. It, yeah, you should be excited at the development phase, but look at, like, the Red Sox, like, a couple years ago, they went from last place to, to first place. Exactly. Year and, and, and Mookie Betts took off that next step. Jackie Bradley Jr. had a great year. Now they got Ben and Tendi yeah. up again. Like they got a lot of stuff going. And on. Jackie Bradley Jr. in the, the year before, he he was like one of the worst hitters in the league, and then now he's a great hitter. He's a really really solid all around player now. And that's what happens when the more when you're playing every day at the highest level, and they have nothing to prove left in Triple A. You got to let them develop now in, in, in the big leagues and whether your expectations, like you're saying, I agree. All right, now real quick, and we're gonna move on. Uh, I just want to hear your quick take, no more than 25, 30 seconds. Should Dellen Batances be traded? If so, would you be cool with that? I I don't like Dellen Batances. I've never liked Dellen Batances. I think he's a head case. Um, I think the Yankees don't work him right. I think that they, they extend him too many innings, and then when it comes down to the stretch at the end of the year, he blows a ton of saves. He's a horrible fielding pitching a pitcher. Um, yeah, he throws you know he throws like a hundred miles an hour, and he's got a dirty slider and everything like that. But guy's a head case. There's a reason. He, he was one of our top starting pitching prospects for forever, and he failed, and that's they converted him to a reliever. I, I would be fine for that if they can get a return that they got for Andrew Miller and a roll to Chapman. Or even slightly less. No, I wouldn't trade him for less than Well, that. he's not the pitcher that they are, so how can you expect that? Yeah, but it, it, it set a precedent. Okay. All right, well, just an interesting tidbit, but let's move on. So Madison Bumgarner, in his opening day appearance, went seven innings, gave up six hit and three earned, 11 strikeouts, also was 2-for-2 two two with a walk and two monster dongs, and caught the, caught the L. <laughs> sure did. No, he, well, he, didn't, he didn't catch the L, but he, he Form, actually... Former Yankee great Mark Melanson caught the L. Right, he didn't get a W. He didn't win, the Giants didn't win the game. But Mad Bum hit two home runs off of Zach Greinke, another great pitcher in the league. Pitched seven innings, three runs, 11 strikeouts. I think you're throwing the term great really loosely right now with Zach Greinke. Well, Zach Greinke, he's, he's been around the block. He's had weird ups and downs. Cy he's Young still winner. a very good pitcher. He, he's a Cy Young winner, but he's also the biggest head case in the MLB. But, all right, he's not the, the point of the story. The point of the story is Madison Bumgarner. All right, man, grow up. He hit two home runs, and he pitched lights out. Like, <clears throat> What can we expect from this guy moving forward throughout the year? He's a guy who he wants to hit in American League games when there's a DH on his team. And... Is there any reason why he shouldn't at this point? Uh, no. <laughs> like, what? The, uh, uh, all right, so I'll bring back Joe Trezza, who he tweeted earlier. Uh, again, he was on our podcast last week giving well, a preview. Right, right. Why are you asking me? If, do you think you think there's anybody here who thinks that Madison Bumgarner like needs my vote of confidence to have a good year? Like, he's gonna have a good year. He's awesome. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. So, all right, this is what I'll this is what I'll change the the topic to. So, Joe Trezza, the guy on the podcast last week, tweeted. He said, Madison Bogarter may very well be the best player of this generation. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's an outrageous That's thing. way too hot of a take. He's not even the best pitcher in the league. True. But you know the argument that goes into football, right? You have guys who like are a quarterback, but then you have quarterbacks who are considered great football players, right? Mm-hmm. So people will call Cam Newton a great quarterback, but they'll say he's one of the best football players in the league. Madison Bumgarner is a great pitcher. But you could also just blanket statement say he's one of the greatest baseball players in the league, and you can't say that about ninety eight percent of the pitchers. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, 
I think you, you when you start comparing him to people like Mike Trout and say that he's better than them, Mike Trout's what twenty four years old and is leaps and bounds the best player in the league. Yeah, you know all around and and he I mean, if they put something around that around him to, to hit with, I mean that he would go down as like a Hall of Famer by the time he's like twenty eight. I mean he's already a Hall of Famer. I think. Nah, <laughs> I mean like. Uh, if he does you anything... You gotta do it on a longer basis. I mean, you know, it's the whole Don Manning argument. Obviously, Don Manning wasn't as talented as, as Mike Trout, but career got cut short, and he's not a Hall of Famer. Very fair. But I think it's just a fun conversation to have because this guy, Mad Bum, you look at him, he's he's a moose himself. Uh, pitches from the left side, throws from the dude. right side. And he's a weird dude. He's like the Carhartt, uh, face of Carhartt. Is he? You know that brand, Carhartt? He's like you, a you know, commercials with him. You like, know he dated trees. a girl named Madison Bumgarner in high school? Excuse me? Oh, that's what, you didn't know that? Can you elaborate on this? He's just a weird dude. So, like, in the town he grew up in, everyone's name is Bumgarner. What do you mean, everybody? Yeah, it's... Okay, so it's he's, like, the stereotypical hick. Look it up. Uh, he He's... Uh, there's a... In my opinion, there seems like it's a legitimate chance that it was his cousin or something like that. <laughs> he dated a, a girl named Madison Bumgarner. People don't for, people forget that his name is uh, is Madison, which is a girl's name. <laughs> unisex or unisex adjacent? Just stop doing the Rosenberg line. I hate it. <laughs> it's, it works. It's okay. Go on. Uh, no, he, he dated. He's he's like the weirdest person. And he hunts all the time. And he's like he's just a stereotypical like guy from the sticks. Like I, <laughs> I, I don't know where. I think he's from like Arkansas or something like that. He's a weird dude. Yeah. Okay. So here's an article from USA Today. Madison Bumgarner once dated a girl named Madison Bumgarner. So you were not lying. No. I, that's like a that's like a made up story. Like you can't like if you just hear that you're like yeah all right yeah he's just he's a goddamn weirdo. <laughs> that so is weird. unbelievable. He's so weird. Uh, he's like yeah no every one of my towns is Bumgarner. So you're just not gonna acknowledge the fact that you're probably related to this girl. <laughs> that is very weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I, I don't I don't know. I, have you ever met someone named Bumgarner? Absolutely not. No, you haven't, right? Because it's not a common name. Probably like a family name. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wow, you learn something new every day, and this is the type of shit that you only hear on the Sports Blog New York podcast. Again, this is a podcast on iTunes and Google Play, so search it up on there, Sports Blog New York podcast, or go to sportsblognewyork.com, click the podcast tab, figure it out from there. What if uh, I date a girl named Dalek Argento? You, how'd you feel about that? I, I like, It'd be weird, right? I don't know if I could be your friend <laughs> if you dated a girl named Alec Argento. I'm already treading dangerous territory with that, right? Can Alec... Alex can obviously be a girl's name, but can Alec be a, a girl's name? I don't know, man. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I hope not. I don't want to run into the situation no, where gen- you date Gender's like fluid. That's true. And that's something that we don't get into on the Sports Blog New York podcast. Just a joke. Just a joke. But we will get into the Mets. So the Mets have their opening day uh, today. And Noah Syndergaard hopefully will not blow out his arm, and Addison Reed also won't do the same thing. Um, as a non-Yankees, I mean, as a non-Mets fan, right? Try to put your objective hat on. Try not to be a Yankees guy too hard. I know. I'm just I'm prefacing you, and I'm prefacing the listener. Try to be objective. What are your realistic expectations for a Mets team this year? I don't think they're going to go win the division. I think that the Nationals have the best overall team in, in the league, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could definitely get the, the first wild card and be the heavy favorite in that wild card game. Obviously, it, you know, sudden death doesn't really matter. I mean, it, it, you see, we've all watched the past couple of years with the, the sudden death playing game. It goes, you know, haywire. Um, but I think that they, if they get into the – and another thing too is like, you know, an issue that people have once they pl- get that playing game and go into the next round, it's ace versus second, you know, uh, second in line. 
Mets don't really have that issue because all, all you know their top three players are all borderline aces. So I could see them making a bit of a push. They're not going to beat the Cubs or the Nationals, who I, I believe are the heavy favorites. I don't, and I also I, I was telling you this before, and I think we'll get into it later. But I also think the Rockies are going to be a, a big factor in the league this year. I think that lineup is just stacked from top to bottom, um, and some good pitching there too. So. I could see them beating a team like the Rockies, but I could see them losing at home too. So I think they're a, they're a playoff team. They're not a championship contender. Interesting. And I actually want to bring this up because I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago the Mets, uh, we did some breaking news about Zach Wheeler, how he was throwing 75% off flat ground. Well, he actually made the Mets opening day rotation as the fourth starter. So he's going to be getting... As of now... There's so much time left. There's so much time left. <laughs> but as of right now, he is scheduled to make a start before mid-April, right? So flashback to a couple weeks ago when you and I talked about this. I don't know what you're talking about. You literally said, and if this happens, I'm going to pull the soundbite. I'm going to go back, take the clip, and put it on a podcast for everybody to hear that you said, if Zach Wheeler pitches in April, I will eat a sock. Now, we make a lot of ridiculous sock bets in this <laughs> podcast. But if this one comes true and Zach Wheeler pitches his scheduled start before mid-April, you have to eat a sock. All right. Well, can I like boil the sock or can I like like add some like pepper or something like that to make it a little more tasty? Or? We're not animals. <laughs> of course, you can you can cook the sock however you so choose. You can make sock stew. I don't really care. It's a good idea. Pete. You have to eat a sock if Zach Wheeler pitches in April. You think would would it help our following? Yeah. Then I'll do it. If you I'll do think, anything for the fans. If you think Alex should eat a rock, I mean, eat a sock, eat a sock please tweet at SportBlogNYC or at me, at Pete underscore Kennedy 81. And you can hear me doing it because we're not going to take a video because we're a podcast. Oh, we're absolutely taking a video. <laughs> and our 40,000 followers on Twitter are going to see it. You <laughs> that's got to kill me, right? Like That's definitely going to kill me if I eat a sock. <laughs> I don't know if it's physically possible to digest cut it off. a sock and like actually eat it. Like, you know, maybe you got to do it like when you got to give a dog a pill. You just like cut it up and mix it in with the regular food. Yeah, but pills get digested. They're not like socks. <laughs> <laughs> if you are going to eat a sock mixed with some other food, what would that other food be? So I, might, I, think, I like your stew idea. It's got to be something hearty. So, <laughs> a nice hearty sock stew <laughs> with some beef on the side. <laughs> well, uh, besides the point of you eating a sock, Zach Wheeler might actually pitch in April. And it's probably going to happen. Yeah, maybe. But you know what we still will not see? The five, well, I don't want to call them horses. I'll just call them pitchers because they're hardly that at this point. The five big dogs of the Mets rotation have never pitched consecutively. We thought we might have a chance, and then Steven Matz goes down. Will we ever see Syndergaard, DeGrom, no. Harvey, Wheeler, Matz in order? No, because it's not going to happen this year. And now Harvey's going to walk after this year, right? I think he's going to uh, One of them's contracts is up. Um, Harvey might be 2019. And he's the first, I think. It's definitely not 29. It might be 28. He might have another year of arbitration. It might be that big 2018 free agent class that everyone's always talking about. Besides the point. Well, no, that's important because if if, if everyone's on the team next year, then it might happen. But it's not happening this year. Isn't that just sad? As a baseball fan, in general. like Remember remember when Barry Zito, Mark Mulder, and Tim Hudson were on the same team? And they were all in the A's and they were young and they were fiery. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The (laughs) Seattle Supersonics. They were young, fiery, and these three looked like a backbone of a rotation for years to come. Before you know it, they all split up. They're all on different teams. And that can happen to the Mets pitching staff within the next year to three years. And they could all be gone. Maybe we'll have one left. 
You know what's so funny? When when the this were the first the big three first came around, I remember people saying you know, comparing them to the the, the Braves teams mm-hmm. with the, the, the Smoltzes of the world. Smoltz, Maddox, yeah. and Glavin. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Like there's no there's no possible way. Talent wise, I think they got them beat. I really do. It's, it's, Are you talking about the Mets now? Yeah, I think they, the Mets the, that Met, the Mets big three talent wise. Not what they put, you know, not necessarily their numbers and everything like that because the Braves did it for a while. Um, but I, I, talent wise, I think that they, they they might actually be significantly better. Well, if you if you're talking about stuff, right, strictly stuff, I think John Smoltz is the only guy of that Braves trio who even touches right. the Mets Maddox, stuff. Maddox, but Maddox was the best. Pitcher. He was absolutely That's the what best it, you know what I mean? like, And Glavin was probably the second best and, pitcher. And, and I don't think anyone on the Mets is like, if, if you understand the differentiation of pitcher and stuff, you know, like, they don't pitch the, the Mets rotation. Like, they they, they they rely on raw talent to get some by because they're, you know, they, they throw heat and their breaking balls just break with so much accuracy as well. I think it's fair to say DeGrom is a pitcher. He pitches. Like he, I think, you know, he's right. not just a thrower. Like you know, Syndergaard can oftentimes look like a thrower who's just beating people with his stuff. Right. Harvey was that before he got hurt, and now he's looking to become a pitcher more of just a <laughs> thrower. Uh, but Degrom, I think, since he's come up, has proved that he knows how to throw the ball. Like, you know, I think you're right. Ba- based off of last year when he lost his fastball a bit, I think that you could make that argument. But before that, I don't know if I would necessarily agree. But now, yeah. So okay, so I, I did an objective statement for how Yankees fans should feel. Now I'm going to give my go at an objective statement for Mets fans. And obviously, as a Mets fan, it's a little bit trickier for me to be truly objective. But I'm going to give my best shot. And I need you to stay here and just call me out if my Mets hat comes on too quickly. Okay? So, Mets fans. This year is a year. The playoffs should be a must. Mm -hmm. The Mets have a window now based off of pitching age, pitching talent, and pitching contracts where we signed Yohannes, well, I can't say we, they signed Yohannes Cespedes. You personally signed Yohannes Cespedes. I paid Cespedes (laughs) millions of dollars. Now, the Mets signed Cespedes. They re-signed Neil Walker, which is fine, even though it's expensive for this year. We have Azdrubal Cabrera, who should be a solid shortstop. We got a bunch of talent in the outfield, or at least, you know, You got to be happy with how the front front office has handled it in recent years. Absolutely. The Mets run themselves like a small market team, which is really frustrating for Mets fans at times. But take it with a grain of salt because it set them up with young talent, especially on the pitching side of things, to make a run as they did two years ago, last year in the playoffs, and this year the playoffs is where they need to be again. All the Mets need to do is get into the playoffs, and they may not have the best odds, but if they have at least two or three of those pitchers healthy, any given day the Mets can make a run in the playoffs this year. Playoffs are bust for the Mets this year. Anything less is a disappointment. Don't expect them to win the division because the Nationals are super talented. No, I agree. I mean, you said it very well. I mean, their their window is closing, uh, without a doubt. But I, 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 what I, I don't think that they are running themselves like a small market team anymore. I think they're in win now mode. Say what you will about the Jay Bruce trade, but last year they went out and got the best guy on the block. Uh, for he, you know, he was leading the league in RBIs at the time. And home runs. And home runs, and they, 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 they spent the money that they needed to to get Cespedes back, a legitimate superstar. They're putting the pieces around him. They got they took a flyer on someone like Jose Reyes again, and he produced for them. I think that they're, they they know internally that this is a closing window, and they're trying to capitalize on it because their brand is, hasn't been hotter since the early 2000s when they were a good team. Um, 
So I agree with you. I think there's a playoffs or bust. I, I, and I also agree that baseball is a weird sport. You get into the playoffs. Who thought that? Who thought that the Indians last year were going to beat the Red Sox? Even after the Indians went on that ridiculous run when the Cavs won the championship and they won what, like twelve plus in a row or something like that. Even after that streak of winning games, you still didn't say, "Oh, the Indians are going to be in the World Series." So baseball is very weird. The Mets could actually, you know, say the Mets are in first place at the All Star break. There's nothing to say that an injury or a slump can't stop the Mets from making the playoffs still. So baseball is a weird game, but I think the expectations for Mets fans have to be we need to be in the playoffs this year because our window's open and it may be bigger than what? Who who do you think are your, is your competition for that wild card game? Because and where and do you think the Mets will be the, the N- first or the second one? It's the NL Central. The NL Central is the competition, and then you can't count out Dodgers Giants because I think you said you like the Rockies. I think personally the Rockies are still you know a, f- a few arms away. They're 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 you know their lineup is stacked, but how are they going to play outside of their their field with obviously all. I don't think I don't think their rotation is as bad as you're, you're making. It's average. average. It's very average. I think John Gray's a very good pitcher. Yeah, he is. And then what? They they have uh, Chatwood is fine. They have a great clo- they, they have a great closer set. too who who doesn't pitch the contact. So that's going to save them a lot more wins. That they, they have Greg Holland now. Uh, that's going to save them a lot more wins than they usually do, and that's really makes the difference because I think they're a playoff team and in, in the seating and, and where they're going to go. I think that that's a legitimate thing. And if they can manage to get home field advantage, if, if they can win their division, which I really do think they can, I think they have the best offense by far in that division. And I don't think that the, I don't think the Dodgers have a good rotation. I think they are an overachieving team. Um, they're all a lot older except for players like Seager. Um, mm-hmm. But their rotation is not very good, except for like someone like Urias, who's still very young. He's not going to be pitching all of this year. He's starting out in the minors. I think that they could go there, and it's a, if they can get home field advantage, they can make a real dent into the into this league. And I I also don't think that the Cardinals are a, a, a playoff team this year. And I don't think the the um, the Pirates are a playoff team. So I think it's coming out of the West. And if if you if the Mets were to play. Anyone in the West, I wouldn't like my chances. If you play the uh, the Cardinals or the Pirates somehow, I would like my chances a lot more. Well, that's interesting. I mean, think about all the teams we just named, though. So just think about the last three years. You have you said the Cardinals, you said the Pirates, the Giants, the Dodgers, and now the Rockies, who you think are an up-and-comer. And you're not alone. A lot of people think they're going to have a good year. I kind of just think they're a little bit away, and who knows what's going to happen. That's three teams in the West, three teams in the Central, and now two teams in the East with the Nationals and the Mets, who a lot of people think are playoff teams. So that's going to call for an interesting uh, August, basically. Yeah, and especially because the, the National League has been kind of not great the past couple of years. I mean, obviously you had the World Series winner last year in the Cubs, but I I think it's very top-heavy, <clears throat> whereas the American League, you know, it's, it's very, um, it's, it's pretty, uh, the parity is real there. So I think that, that there's a real chance that... Um, it's going to be very exciting come come August and September next year with who's going to possibly be going to the playoffs next year. Well, I think that's some pretty interesting stuff. I think the expectations for the Yankees and Mets are uh, slightly different. They're not as far off as maybe you hear day in and day out. A lot of people, you know... Kind of a role reversal, isn't it? A little bit of a role reversal. You know, people are saying the Mets need to make the playoffs. <coughs> people are saying the Yankees have to be okay with just growing. I think they're pretty close, though, and I think the records aren't going to be that different. Uh, obviously, I'm hoping the Mets make that that playoff run. But let's move on. Let's get into some other storylines in the league. But again, this is the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, joined here with Alec Argento. So, Subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 
And especially if you like what you've been hearing, leave her a little rating, leave her a review. And if we like what you said, Alex going to rate you and review you. Yeah. Very personal too, I think. I, I, you know, we're really going to touch upon that, you know, when how I met my wife because of you. Mm-hmm. that I don't have you know yeah <laughs> it's gonna be real sweet it's gonna be touching it's it's gonna be like a best man speech at a wedding so I look forward to it yeah, I, th- I think so I All think right. it'll be good but anyway let's move on and let's touch on some MLB storylines a lot of cool stuff happening this year obviously we had the Cubs going for a repeat can the Indians maintain that success but one thing I want to talk about and we'll spend let's spend like a minute or so on each storyline here right sure. maybe even a little less we'll go quick Red Sox first year without David Ortiz Big Poppy. How do they handle life without Poppy? I don't think it's going to matter. They, their pitching staff got so much better. They're already very good pitching staff. Although I think it's a bit overrated. I mean, David Price is not what he's a shell of what he used to be, and he's uh, he's obviously hurt right now. Chris Sale is also kind of a head case and is can be injury prone as well. Um, but Hanley Ramirez can can handle DH duties pretty well. I don't I don't really have any issue with him. He changed his game around a lot. Remember when he first came around in the league, he was a speed guy some power that, that guy can can mash some uh, some homers and bring some runs in so I think they'll fail, fare pretty well uh, especially now that they have some flexibility because David Ortiz couldn't play the field for the past couple years so they can move the, uh, the lineup around people playing some positions that's going to be good a good thing out of uh, not having Poppy is being able to supplement people in yeah. the DH role something that you get know, some people some days off exactly they weren't able to do with David Ortiz because he was a shoo-in into that lineup yeah. which is nothing to complain about uh, Indians signed Edwin Encarnacion, kind of one of the bigger signings of the whole offseason. They got him on the cheap, too. They got him on the cheap. Can the Indians, should the Indians be back in the playoffs? Will they make a run? Well, I think that that's, Encarnacion really brings, I, he's, I'm a Yankee fan. I mean, obviously, he's he's destroyed us for the past couple of years. I think the biggest thing, though, is that people are, are forgetting that they didn't have Danny Salazar and Carlos Carrasco in the playoffs last year, and they made it to the World, to World Series Game 7 extra innings without them. Um, I think that that's the biggest X factor there. The Carrasco, Salazar, two really, really talented young pitchers, strikeout pitchers. Um, that's really going to propel them, I believe. A uh, real sexy pick, one that makes people's nipples hard, if you will. Was this your new thing? Just uh, making me uncomfortable. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. <laughs> Looking at me in my eyes and telling me you're going to get my nipples hard. It's weird. No, maybe not you. I'm just saying people out there might get, you right. get a little frisky about Is this Is that one. what we're shooting for? Uh, <laughs> sure. A lot of people are high on the Mariners this year. You obviously got Robinson Cano settled in in Seattle. You got some young guys. You got Gene Segura coming off a big season with 200 hits last year. He's a real up-and-down guy, Segura. Do the Mariners have what it takes to make a run in the AL West? I mean, the AL West is not a very good division. I mean, the Texas Rangers are a pretty solid team. Actually, yeah, I'm, well, the Astros are in, in, in the And AL the West. Astros are another sexy pick. I, then, no. I don't think that the Mariners have any shot at making the playoffs. I, I forget that the Astros are there. I'm still not used to them being in the American League. Um but the I think the Astros have a really really good team. Uh, they don't they have some pitching questions, but I don't see the Mariners going very far. I think soon I don't know if it's this year you're going to see some decline in Robinson Cano eventually. He's getting older. I think he's like 34, 33, 34, something like that. Um, you're going to see some decline in there, which is why the Yankees chose not to sign him for that long term deal, and then it's just going to get exacerbated as years go on. Um, I can't really name a lot of players on in that lineup to be honest with you, and that's not really I, I can't imagine that. that uh, is a sign that they're going to have long-term success uh, going forward. They have Nelson Cruz still. Um, Nelson have Cruz is old too. He's the other, other Seager. Yeah, uh, Kyle Seager. Yeah, he's good. He's no Corey Seager. Uh, he's, he's he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I think I think that they're an all right team, and the Rangers and the Astros are a lot better, and they're not great teams. But I think Astros are a fun team to look at. I mean, Carlos Correa, Altuve, 
George Springer. Those are guys who are just exciting Alex young Bregman. players. Alex Bregman's another one another this year. Guy. People are really high on. I, you know who I like too on the Rangers. Uh, Adrian Beltre. He's uh, he, he's hurt. Um, he's on the fifteen day DL. Um, but they there's a guy that they have in their minors. They've been really big on. They just have nowhere to put him for the past couple of years. Uh, Joey Gallo. Uh, Joey Gallo has been pl- is going to be. He made the starting uh, the opening day r- uh, roster because of the injury. And I think he's really going to flash what he's got. He's he's got some real offensive potential. He he had a re- when he first came up, he really made some noise. Um, he's not his, his average dipped last year pretty significantly, but he's a real bat to ball kind of guy. He's going to hit you a lot of home runs, driving a lot of runs. All right, let's keep this thing moving now. You mentioned the guy Adrian Beltre. Just a little note. He's 50 hit, 58 hits shy of 3,000, something we don't see a lot in today's day and age, a 3,000 hit guy. So shout out to Adrian Beltre. Hopefully he gets healthy. Hall of Famer? I, you got to say he is with 3,000 I mean, he's been hits. a phenomenal fielder his whole career. But that's he's a power you, hitter. And, you know, when you think of Adrian Beltre, at least when I think of Adrian Beltre, I think of that third base. And he wasn't always a good hitter. <laughs> no. He, he, he's, a, he's one of the best fielding third basemen I've ever seen. Uh, it's, which is kind of funny too, because they they went from Mike Lowell to, to Adrian Beltre, which is you know I'm sure there was uh, uh, not Michael Michael Young, yeah, uh, uh, and I think there was somebody in between there. But they've had some really good leather flashes at third base over the past like 15 years or so. And he's been a shoe in for probably 25, 30 home runs a year. Great fielder, and I think he's a guy who gets better with age in baseball terms. I just I think that he's just so low key that you're. I, I think it would be surprising. To hear, to hear, even though he's going to be a 3,000-hit player and he's going to go to the Hall of Fame almost right. definitely, it's just how it works, um, unless you're Pete Rose. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just going to be a surprising thing to see, and to see him go ahead of someone who you would, I'm assuming, definitely think is a Hall of Famer right away. You know, that's probably what's He's going to take a spot for someone you, you definitely think is going to be a Hall of Famer. He might go in... A-Rod will probably be on the list at that point. Oh, well, and, A-Rod will definitely be on the list at that point. Adrian Belcher might have another two years with him. You don't even know. It doesn't look like he's going no, down. No, no, A-Rod's going to be eligible before he is. Oh, absolutely. And But he's I, he's definitely not going to go in first ballot because of the steroid issues. Um, A lot's going to change in the Hall of Fame uh, landscape. <coughs> so Nobody's uh, going in first ballot, though. I think some of them are going to end up going in, like Barry Bonds, I think, will go in next year. But they're not going to be first ballot Hall of Famers, so. That'd be interesting. Interesting stuff. Another big milestone that's going to come up pretty soon in the MLB is Albert Pujols sitting at 591 home runs, nine away from 600, joining a very exclusive club right there. Another guy who may be taunted by some steroids. Probably not, though. He's a Hall of Famer as well. Yeah, well, that's someone you automatically think is a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Uh, And another guy that's low-key, really playing fantastically at the Angels for the past couple years. Nobody really talks about it. He's going to hit you 100 RBIs and 30 home runs a year or something around there on a horrible team. Yeah, well, the the Angels have a couple things to be happy about. One is Mike Trout, the other is Pujols, the other is good weather. (laughs) And (laughs) And Disney World. And Disneyland. Disneyland, of course. The Nationals, Bryce Harper is still their best player despite his year last year. Is there any reason to think Bryce Harper doesn't back bounce, but back bounce, bounce back this year? Well, his average was down, but his RBIs and home runs were still up there. So, I mean, he didn't everyone always everyone keeps saying that he had a horrible year last year. His it was, a, it was a down year. Yeah, it was a down year by his standards. I mean, he's still really young. He's still really really what is he 23 years old, 24 years old, something he's young. like that. Um, I I I could see, he's one of the people I think is going to have a really bad bounce back year. I don't know if that really means a lot because he's such a high caliber player that I don't. It's not like 
saying something. It's not a shock. Yeah. But there's no reason to think that he's going to get worse. I think Andrew McCutcheon's someone who's going to have a great year, too, who had a horrible year last year. Love my boy Kutch out in Pittsburgh. Wish he was a Met. There was a possibility they trade Matt for him a couple weeks. I think he still gets traded. I think he still gets traded because they have that guy Austin Meadows mm. uh, in the in the minors that's going to come up soon. There's just kind of a log jam for him, and he's someone who they can get a good value for, and they, he, there's a chance he might be on the decline. So I would absolutely love to see McCutcheon in the Mets uniform. I don't see it happening now. They they have a semi log nah, jam. He looks great in the, in the, in the yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers. And they like, absolutely the love him in Pittsburgh. My aunt lives in Pittsburgh, and he's actually made a trip to her school. She's like a kindergarten teacher. And he, like he's the nicest guy according to everybody. Seems like it. And shout out to him. He's he's, he's one of those stars that they don't really advertise in the league, and I wish they would. All right. Any more MLB storylines that maybe we forgot about that you can, or I forgot about that you can think of off the top of your head before we move on? Uh, Alex Rodriguez is like seven home runs away from seven hundred. So that's true. Oh, maybe he'll <laughs> come he, back. He's an announcer for Fox now. Yeah. I, I wanted to cry today. I was watching the the Yankee game and the the, the pregame. They had him because. Fox owns Yes now, mm-hmm. uh, and they had him on there, and it just makes me so sad. Him and Pete Rose, just two sad things that didn't, you know, didn't work out for him. Yeah, well, you know what? That's a conversation for a different day if Alex Rodriguez and Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. And I would like whoa, to see... Whoa, whoa. Like, is he going to be a real-life Mr. 3000 with Bernie Mac, A-Rod? Is he going to come back in like five years and just try to hit a couple home runs? I would love that. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be some type of story, man. I would, we should. That would actually warrant a movie. Uh, can we get a Kickstarter going or something like that? For real. We should do that. What team in the league would we love to see A-Rod You know hit? it's the Mets. You know the Mets would do that. They have Tim Tebow on their, on their, on their, uh, <laughs> in their uh, minors. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> right, maybe that's a possibility, but what other team Take, could you possibly see A-Rod trying to get to 700 with? I, he's got to go to a team in a real hitter-friendly ballpark so he can get it out real quickly. If he goes to somewhere like Colorado, he'd get that done in like two months. Wait for them to be out of the playoffs yeah. and just be like, yo, please just hook me up. Just get me at-bats. Like, bat me lead off. You guys are out of the fucking playoffs. doesn't matter. I'm hitting it these home runs, getting 700. Oh, my God. Now, now I got it in my head. I, all I want to do is see A-Rod do a Mr. 3000 in real life. What if I told you that Mr. 3000 <laughs> Mr. 700? Uh, but anyway, that's all we got for MLB storylines. And uh, let's spend a little bit of time on this game that's going to happen uh, between, was it UNC and Gonzaga? Is that a big game? What, is that? what channel is it on? Uh, I think it's on CBS. I don't know. It's it's national game. Is I it guess. college? Yeah, yeah, college. college. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm not familiar. Are you not interested? Uh, no. <laughs> I actually don't really care about college. I like the first two days, and then, then I get bored with it, just I don't really watch college basketball. That's really interesting that you say that, because I think you are one who will, you know, publicize that opinion, and I think people are afraid to say that they only care about the tournament for the first two days. It's exciting. It's super exciting. There's games on literally from 12.30 in the afternoon until 12.30 at, in the morning or at night, however you want to look at it. Then after that, it's kind of like far and few between, and then you, like, people forget between the Sweet 16 and the Final Four. And then they forget between the Final Four and the championship. You know, it's, it's a little bit of a weird thing that it takes that long after so much hype for the first Which couple Which is days. funny because there's a ton of storylines, too. Yeah. I mean, you know, Gonzaga, never been to even a Final Four, and now they're, they're mid-major. Is this the first mid-major going to, to a championship? Ever? Yeah, I don't know. No. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't follow it. Oh, <laughs> Butler went to back, to back to back in 2010-2011. They were not, no. Power conference? Absolutely not. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, there's been plenty who have made it. Listen, not I know my talent. I know what I, I know what I know, and it's not college basketball. <laughs> That's fair, but I said this earlier, and I said this after the first weekend. I said this before the tournament even kicked off. Statistics show, and it happened yet again, that by the end of the tournament, and you look at the championship, you look at the final four, you're gonna have ones, twos, and threes. We had our outlier in South Carolina. They were a great story. They were the Cinderella of the tournament. 
but they didn't make it to the championship. Now we have number one versus Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga. you can still say Gonzaga's a, a Cinderella. But you can't. Now. Like, you can't say that a one seed's a Cinderella. Like, I don't care how you look at it. They've lost one game this entire season. You can't call them a Cinderella. I don't know. That's I don't know if that's just me. If you feel different than me, please tweet at me at Pete underscore Kennedy81, at SportBlogNYC, at Alec. How can you call... <laughs> That's not his. That's not his handle. How can you call a number one seed a Cinderella? If, I don't if, care what they've been through. If Gonzaga beats UNC, would that not be a Cinderella story? It's an upset. Not every upset is a Cinderella. They are not mutually exclusive. Well, it is when you oh. talk about the tournament. No, it totally is. You're wrong on that one. No, it's, it's you're, like, it's I'm like, not wrong. It's like the term is like literally associated with. That's like Cinderella. saying that's like saying the Spurs beat Why the Warriors. Why do you hate this so much? You hate it. You hate Cinderella stories. I don't hate Cinderella stories. It's just people have this convoluted look of what a Cinderella story actually is. If the Spurs beat the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals and are underdogs against the Cavs in the championship, South Carolina are they a Cinderella story? Were you not rooting for South Carolina? I was rooting for South Carolina. So you like a Cinderella story? That's a true Cinderella story. They were a true Cinderella story. Gonzaga's not, and they were really close to beating Gonzaga. And they didn't. So their story ends. Cinderella's story has a happy ending. Theirs did not. Frank Martin, their coach, who's awesome, was crying at the podium (laughs) after a tough, tough loss. By the way, how about South Carolina's women's team being the new national championship? Oh, yeah. That's pretty... I mean, I don't really... No, no, we don't really care about women's college basketball. But for for UConn to finally lose after like 120 games with that, and now for for South Carolina uh, to have both... um, the, the final four win, win the men's and a championship with the women's. That's got to be cool for the school. Yeah, so we actually Team turned tax. on. I was with a couple of friends on Friday evening when the UConn was playing their final four game, and we found out, ESPN update on the phone, uh, that it was tied. It's like 60-60, a couple minutes left. We turned it on, and before the like two minutes timed out, we actually changed it and had it come back because like, it was hard to watch. It still wasn't like great to watch, unfortunately. It was like it's, tough It's basketball. like watching... like. Iona or something like that. Yeah. First round, it's like, yeah, they made the tournament, but they're not very good. Like, yeah, they're, they're, the talent, it's just like, it's hard to watch after you watch so much NBA, so stuff, much college. Yeah. It's a different game. It truly is a different game. But, you know, GNRM and UConn, great run. Good for South Carolina. But let's get back to the Cinderella thing because you can't call... Let's go back to this this hypothetical. One thing, though, I'm curious. Um, I don't really follow it too much, but when you have someone like a South Carolina... Who was an underdog? It's got to help with recruiting, obviously. Absolutely, especially with their coach, who's yeah. kind of a high profile. How guy. often does that translate into someone being like a legitimate player for the next couple of years? I guess Oregon was kind of like that. Oregon was like an eleven seed or a seven seed. They kept going. Now they were a, thir- a three seed this year, and they've been to a couple straight elite uh, Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, elite. so I, I guess I, I'd be curious to look into the to see how. Well, if you th- if you think about Butler, they went to two straight championships as underdogs, like Cinderellas. They were true Cinderellas because you know they're eight seed in the championship lost. After like a half court chuck by Gordon Hayward, they have now been a consistent college basketball team for the past year since then. So it does really mean something. And I think Frank Martin, the coach of South Carolina, coming on the map with this team is the biggest thing for their recruiting. So I think you could you can feel comfortable saying South Carolina should be on the up in the college basketball world. But I want to get back to this hypothetical because we're ending up soon. We're about fifty five minutes. We're not going oh, over sure, an hour today. Sure, sure, sure. If the Spurs beat the Warriors in the finals, and now they're underdogs against the Cavs. Are they Cinderella? Are they a Cinderella team? Spurs beat the Warriors in the finals? No. In the Western Conference Finals, and they play the Cavs, and they're (coughs) underdogs. They're underdogs. No. Does it make them a Cinderella? No. So Gonzaga might be an underdog. That's not the same thing, though. The Spurs are basketball royalty. They won the the Rockets. They won a championship like three years ago. Talk about the Rockets, then. If the Rockets made the championship and they're underdogs, are they a Cinderella? But it's also different in, in professional sports because the teams are consistent. 
You know what I mean? Like these teams are different every year, significantly different every year. So exactly, that should go even more to my point. Gonzaga has this history of losing in the tournament. This is a lot of different guys, a lot of different kids. A lot of transfers from big schools have gone to Gonzaga. They lost one game this year. How can you call them a Cinderella? Because they're a mid-major. It's just that it's it's what happens, and they don't have the same competition. That that one loss that they have is not the same as being in a power conference that has legitimate competition. It's not, it's not when Wichita State what, what, didn't they go undefeated a couple years ago? Yes, they weren't a legitimate one seed. Yeah, but it, they were a one seed and they were undefeated. But we all, and we've God lost, forbid, you, but you're being inconsistent because you've also told me many times that you think that the rankings, the, the seedings that they do for the, the for the for Selection Sunday is ridiculous because it's not you know it's just, seedings are not done well. So exactly. So at that point, you know, well, Gonzaga is a true one seed. They were literally ranked number one in the nation for a big portion of the year. I know they wasn't, but, but I don't know. I I, I think that. There's a lot of inconsistencies there. You're going with the eye test, and and if you're going with the eye test and looking at all the surrounding factors, I don't. I think that that's a Cinderella story. It's not as big of a Cinderella story if say South Carolina was going there, you know, and everyone in the world is rooting for that team. Nobody's rooting for that. And and you always get upset because you think that you don't you you don't want the Cinderella stories to happen because the competition isn't is good, but South Carolina. Barely lost to Gonzaga. Oh, they were a really good team. Yeah, so it, they were one of the best defensive teams in the country. So I, I think that Cinderella, people do get excited for Cinderella stories. The, the quality is not necessary. It's not automatic that it's going to be a, a, a good team versus a crappy team. I, I, I think that's what br- the tournament brings out the best in the players. And I think you make a good point. My main point is, I think there's a difference between an upset and a Cinderella. There not is. every there, upset there totally is a Cinderella. Is. There totally is. If you if you said Oregon beat. Um, if, if we were going to beat UNC, that would not have been a Cinderella story. That would have been an upset. There's certain things that... that I agree. And that's why I think Gonzaga would be an upset and not a Cinderella. But I guess it's all about semantics. Uh, but let's make a pick. Because you know some people will listen to this on Monday before the game. There will be people who also listen to this on Tuesday after the game. So they can see if we were wrong or right. We got UNC. We got Gonzaga. Who's your pick? Well, I'm going with UNC because I make a couple bills in my office pool, so. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. By I mean, the way, someone who doesn't know anything about college basketball, this would be the the second in three years uh, t- times I won my my office pool just going against what everyone else picks. Everyone picked Nova this year or Gonzaga. If, if, if UNC wins, I picked Duke when Kentucky was undefeated and I won that one. So There you go. Yeah. Sometimes it's the less you know in a yeah, tournament Yeah, these like bracketologists that. get me paid so much money to do nothing. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, I'm going to go with UNC as well. I love Justin Jackson. And if you watched UNC play Oregon, they have two guys, Kennedy Meeks being one of them, who are just savages on the boards. They literally won the game. Who's after that guy in Gonzaga with the beard? Kronowski. I like him. He's a cool dude. I like him. <laughs> so, real quick, because uh, I don't know if you saw it. They were uh, Oregon was shooting free throws. I mean, UNC was shooting free throws at the end of the game. It was a one-point game and then a three-point game. They missed like three or four free throws in a row and got two offensive rebounds all free throws in a row and iced the game like that. Pretty cool. Just being pretty, mooses. Pretty cool. So we'll see what happens on if we're wrong on Tuesday. Call us out. But again, this is Sports Blog New York Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Google Play. But without further ado, my name is Peter Kennedy. Alec Argento. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Have a good day and enjoy the NCAA championship. Bye.